Hello, folks. It's not Clayton. That wasn't Clayton, but that was a great Clayton impression. This is is the U.S. Soccer Podcast, where you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I am Ty. I'm not a rapper. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Kwame. I'm a doctor. And we love the Nats. Love them, love them, love them. It's We The Peeps. It's We The Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps. Well, 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 what have we here? What have we here? A new hero has emerged for the USMNT. We are going to get into all of it, the emotions of, of last night, the U.S. finding a rhythm in qualifying. We're going to talk, talk about all, everything that, that, that happened last night, break down the game for you. I am not your usually scheduled host. I'm Ty. I'm usually the guy who gets to be, you know, just opine about, about what I think. But today I'm, I'm working hard. I'm taking Clayton's spot on the show because he's on vacation. So I'm your host today. And I'll start with a little housekeeping. Sweep noise. So the first thing in housekeeping is please rate and review our show. If you like our show, if you're listening to our show, you're getting value out of it, please rate and review in iTunes. That's that really, really helps us out. I think we're stuck on like 96 ratings. And if you can get us over that magic hundred, we'll be eternally grateful. We've got some some fantastic reviews on there that we're gonna find a way to read. We'll come up with some character, you know, we'll we'll do something to to spice it up and get, get your words, your reviews onto our air. So please do that. You can also support us on Patreon. We have a very affordable and valuable and, and just, just amazing Patreon account. And you can just plunk a couple bucks a month into there. And that really, really helps us out. It is not free to do this show, even beyond just uh, our opportunity cost, which is substantial. <laughs> we have actual costs to take care of. And if you can help us with that, we greatly appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, everywhere you can, you can, uh, uh, you know, talk Nats, we're going to be there. We're on Reddit, all that stuff. Find us, follow us. We're on Twitter at WTP pod, YouTube search. We the peeps. Did I miss anything? Kwame? I don't think you did. Is that pretty much it? All right. End of house or keeping. Let's get to it. Let's get out there. So as Clayton usually does, I'm going to line up the team. Ready? Let's let's line them up, boys. Line them up, boys. So in goal, we have maybe maybe controversial, maybe not. Maddie Turner, Maddie Two Hands. The the U.S. the USA is number one, apparently. Apparently. Uh, In the center of defense, we have uh, Walker Zimmerman. Walk long, walk just walk, and we have Miles Robinson. Uh, Next to Miles Robinson, we have the other Robinson, Anthony Robinson. And we have Serginho Dest out on the right where he belongs. In the middle, we had a midfield trio that was to die, to die. Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKenney. That's what we've been Come waiting on. for. Come on. And up front, we had the, the, uh, the porcelain prince. No, the other prince, the non-porcelain prince, Brendan Aronson, showing up in Christian Pulisic's 
spot doing Christian Polisicky kind of things, maybe being better than Christian Polisic. We'll talk about that. Uh, across from him, we had someone who's definitely not better than Christian Polisic, but definitely helped the team, uh, Paul Ariola, last night. And of course, your number nine for the USMNT, locked in starter, 18 year old Ricardo Pepe. And he would go on to have quite a day, which we will get into. In the first minute, not, there was like 30 seconds on the clock. Paul Ariola gets, gets sprung. I think I forget who, who plays the pass, but it's a really nice pass. And Paul, Paul Ariola is in on goal, gets very clearly fouled by Kamar Lawrence. Referee says, no, after a long period of time, this is not a red card. This is a yellow card, just a free kick for the U.S. Definitely not the right decision, but in the 30th second of the game, you can, you can understand it. We'll get to that. Uh, in the 18th minute, this was the first time that I noticed that Walker Zimmerman had a black eye. I don't know if he got the black <laughs> eye <laughs> mid-match or if the, if the black eye was pre-existing, but you know, the, this is, uh, it was impressive stuff from him. Uh, in the 29th minute, the ref impressed again by intercepting the ball and tackling a player within the same sequence, which was top-notch work. And in the 34th minute, the referee again took center stage when um, Lowe from Jamaica tackled, I forget who it was, Aronson. Aronson. Yeah, it was yeah. Aronson. And it was, by, by all accounts, a clear red. I thought, you know, he did make contact with the ball. There's definitely an argument to be made there, but very, very uh, controversial moment there. In the 41st minute, we had our, our traditional visit to the Turnerverse. Matt Turner came up with a really nice save on a, a, a very clear Jamaica chance, probably the only Jamaica chance of note uh, throughout the game. We went into half, nil, nil. The U.S. may be sweating a little bit, but I think feeling pretty confident that they were going to find the breakthrough. And they did. Did they ever with a golasso through Musa to Dest to freaking Ricardo Pepe, 18 years old, flopping around like a giant fish, baby. This guy it was a salmon leap, my friend. That was incredible stuff. Uh, Ricardo Pepe coming through again for the Nats at 18 years old. He continued his, his scintillating second half uh, form with uh, some, some pretty crazy turns and runs. He was, he was clearly feeling himself. And in the 63rd minute, found the net again through Brendan Aronson, who, who got space out on the left and played in a, a delicious little little ball through to Pepe and the game would kind of settle down from there the U.S. got a couple substitutions in they got Pepe out to keep him fresh for the rest of the camp Ricardo Pepe 18 years old a, a, a goal in his first game for the U.S. a double in his second game Kwame what are your first impressions uh, well this was a pretty fun match I think that it's a match that while we can enjoy, I think also uh, invites us to overreact a little bit. And so I'm in a couple of different areas. I think I'm going to be pulling back the reins a little bit. But there are so many things I think that I was happy to see. Uh, I was very happy to see Dust at the right back and Robinson at the left back. And I think for the longest time that has been, in my mind, our clear sort of fullback um, best pairing. And I think hopefully now we're going to see it. 
I've been waiting forever to see Yunus Musa. Uh, and yes, he was forever. injured last window, but we had time opportunities to play him before and his quality on the ball. I, I don't even think he had anywhere close to the best game he can have, but he's such a clear difference maker and he's such clear tools that no one else in our midfield lack uh, has. I think he just, there's so much more dynamism um, and, you know, Weston can almost kind of lurk in the weeds a little bit when, when Musa is in the game. Uh, and I was really pleased with Aronson. Uh, and I thought that, uh, you know, we got what we expected from Pepe as well as Areola. <laughs> I think that we got, we That's got what you expected? Pepe. Well, I got, <laughs> I expected Pepe to finish two opportunities that were set up for him very well. That pass from Des, I mean, it, it was a, it, it took some skill to redirect that header, but Dest slipped that ball through a very tight window to a very good area for him. And the finish from Aronson, he's just got to make contact and open up his hip. So, so I expect Pepe, you know, I expected Pepe to finish those, but it's not like he was, slicing and dicing up as a number nine right he's so I think we're getting a sense of him at least I am as Pepe as a finisher a goal poacher a guy with a nose for goal and when he gets opportunities that good I think we can feel super confident that he's going to finish them and that feels pretty good uh so those and and for Areola I think we saw Areola things he worked really hard he got about um but you know he's not he's not a, a goal threat, right? Um, so much, but he 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 did a shift, and I wouldn't have started him, but I think he did. I think he did really well. Yeah, and with this U.S. team, with the 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 buzzing bees around all all of these these wonderful attacking starlets creating chances, mm -hmm. what the U.S. has been lacking is somebody who can just reliably bang it in. Mm -hmm. at the end of those chances. And, the, you know, yeah. I thought, uh, of course, the second Pepe goal is uh, much more straightforward. But the first one, I mean, I've seen Giassi's artist mess that up. I've seen Josh Sargent mess that up. I can envision Matthew Hoppy messing that up. Like any other nine in the pool, like I, that's not a nailed on goal, even even with the uh, the quality of the service. And then there's also the, the attribute that Pepe has of being in the right place at the right time. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, I, there was a comment at halftime that I thought was kind of interesting. They were saying that um, like the fact that Pepe did not drift into midfield in the first half was to his credit, because even though he wasn't getting a lot of touches, he wasn't wasting, he wasn't like giving up on any like uh, potential for finishing off a move by finding himself out of position. Does that ring true to you? Um, I, you know, I think there's, I think there's a certain truth to that. I think there's, there's value in, in sort of the player recognizing his skills and kind of who he is, right? Um, Pepe has a different skill set than Sargent. Um, and so, you know, for Sargent to come back to try to find the game, uh, that, that's within his skill set. And I think probably within what Halter was asking him to do. I don't think we've ever had the sense that Sargent was, you know, coming into the midfield and Burhalter was like, don't, don't, don't. But with Pepe, I think Burhalter has more quickly perhaps than uh, he might normally <laughs> pick up on these things and like, okay, this is the type of player that Pepe is. Uh, this is the sort of defense that we're at. And so we're, we're going to try to, we're going to try to feed him. And I think we played, 
you know, offensively a little differently than we do when we have Pulisic and Reyna. Uh, and I would argue this is by the way we should play even when we do have Pulisic and Reyna. Uh, but I, I thought Pepe, you know, I thought Pepe did, you know, did well against a team that had a pretty, you know, sort of low block. Now, if the game had gone on without as many goals, uh, I think the question is, could he have done things to kind of open up the space and you know, and sort of make good runs? I think he's a good distributor, even on that 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 very early um, potential red card mm-hmm. on uh, on Areola. Pepe is very involved in that. Mm-hmm. Right, he's the one that comes back into the midfield and sort of passes it quickly to. I think to Aaron, oh, that, yeah, that's right. The, the pass was from Pepe. You're right. right. And he, and he yeah. takes a whack as well. Yeah. And sort of yeah he really circle does. gets yeah. up and, and, and goes. So, so that's a, you know, I think that's a, a strength of his, of, there are times where he can get involved. Yeah. Uh, but at a, at a high level, you know, later in the minutes, later in the game, that that's something to be seen, but you know, he's a developing player, right? Still 18. Where, how good do you think the kid is right now? It, it, let, let's say so right now he's got a he's got three goals in two games for the u.s what what would what should we be expecting from him right now and where do you think he can go in the future i think that's so hard to say i mean i think he's scoring a lot of goals in mls and you know mls is higher quality than it has been in the past and i think that 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 has cachet right it's like scoring goals in mls has cachet um but you know, I think we really have to see him tested on a, on a bunch of different levels. We've seen him in, you know, a game against Honduras and a game against Jamaica. Um, two teams that, you know, Jamaica is bottom of the table in qualifying, right? They didn't really pose much of a threat and they were missing, a, you know, their best player, right? Their three or four best players four were not best, here today. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, and then Honduras, you know, we played them at the end of, uh, of the, their cycle, they changed their strategy, they changed their kind of whole lineup, and he really didn't show up until the last 45 minutes of that game. Um, you know, Daryl DK is also banging in goals now for MLS, now that his shoulder is healthy, and he's done it at the championship. So I think that while you can give Pepe a lot of credit for what he's been doing in these last couple of games, he's still not very high ahead of where uh, where I have DK right now, we need to see more games. I think from both of them, but that's not a that's not a denigration. I just think that both of them still are on an upward trajectory, and you know, there's no reason for us to to kind of try. I, I think it's difficult for us to predict like, oh, they're going to be here like three years from now, right? Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's like where are they going to be six months from now, right? That's yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, about uh, 14 months from now is a, a potentially pivotal uh, situation. Yes, so, yes, 14 um, months is pivotal. I guess my question, to put this in context, if you could pick one player to re- remain with the Nats and one player to, you know, take a, a long trip to the moon or something, would you keep... Brendan Aronson or Ricardo Pepe? Oh, um, one of them is ejected into space. Yeah, and one of them remains. With the do they do they have a spacesuit or is it just <laughs> straight? No more straight, detail. Like, no more detail. No more details. Okay. Um, uh, if you haven't seen Watchmen, you should see it. But um, as a weird aside, I would probably keep Pepe. I think Aronson has proven more, 
But I think that if you lose Aronson, you have Pulisic. And if we lose Pepe, I think mm. it, there's much more of a question mark, <laughs> right? I think, oh I, think God, I think, yeah. I think, I uh, think DK is probably going to be a force to be reckoned with. I, I have a lot of belief in him, but he has not proven it the way that Pulisic has. So, right, right, right. so that's, that's my vote. But I think Aronson is at a higher level right now than Pepe is. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Yunus uh, Musa. So we we finally get to see this dude. Ghanaian American Yunus Musa got a yes. got a rep after after for anybody who was not tracking this story. Basically, Yunus Musa committed to the U.S., played in a bunch of friendlies, and then just never got the chance to appear in a competitive match. Even though there were many competitive matches recently, be through through injury or or not being in in a squad due to club complications or whatever it was. And so he was still not captied. He was still, had, he still had the ability to say, ah, I'm good. And yeah. over the summer, two of the teams he was also eligible for, England and Italy, played in a little game we like to call the final of the Euros. So you can see Eunice Moose's head turning a little bit uh, as he realizes that, you know, maybe chances aren't going to be um, as plentiful as he thought maybe with the U.S., so, so what did you think of his performance today and how does it make you feel to have Yunus Musa firmly in the fold for life with the US team? So I'm extremely happy. Um, it was a little confusing why he hadn't gotten more time. I mean, as we said, like this last window, he was injured and, or just had come back to Valencia. But I think during the Nations League, uh, he was on the bench and, and never got played and there was never a clear explanation for why, you know, it's like he's not quite, you know, up to speed or whatever. Um, and, uh, so I'm, I'm ecstatic that he has now played for us. I mean, I think it was pretty solid, but you just never know, uh, in international soccer and, uh, and he might've gotten frustrated, you know, kind of wondering like, why is legit getting starts ahead of me? (laughs) Um, but you know, he, he is so dynamic. He carries the ball forward with such a threat. Uh, he's got such strength on the ball even though he is he 19 yet or is he still 18? i think he's still 18 yeah still 18. he's still 18 uh you know he's he's proving it in la liga uh, i think he he opens up so many possibilities for us uh in a way that um in a way that Gio Reyna also could if we played him in the midfield it makes it a little less painful uh, but it also means that you know we now have that kind of dual threat and maybe if we have more Musa and we we create that style and we have Wea emerge then then you know that's a that's a awesome one-two punch of you know attacking ball carrying midfields Gio who do you pick Gio Reyna Eunice Musa um, you can do all sorts of formation changes uh, he really, you know, he really created that that first goal. He really put Jamaica in, in all sorts of trouble and then had a very, you know, sort of simple, very good pass out to Dest. And Dest is going to kill teams if he gets that amount of space that high up on the field. Totally. totally. Um, but, you know, carrying the ball, you know, because we weren't really passing through the lines well. And when you don't have, we don't have a, a we don't have a team that, despite Berhalter's aspirations uh, and claims, is really passing the ball through the line. Sometimes you just get a man on the ball who can, 
who can you know, have the, the ball line. in the string yeah. and break the totally. lines, and then the other team is in is in trouble. But we've so, never had that, so we were like, it's been a long time since we've had it. Yeah, like maybe Tab or Claudio Reyna, maybe yeah, Reyna. Time we've really had a ball kick. You know, Tab at his peak. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nagby and flashes. Um, sure, although, Nagby you know, on his good days. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I definitely think of Eunice Musa as like the reincarnation of of Darlington Nagby. The in the like I, the two of them, I feel like you watch the ball move. The, you watch them touch the ball, and it's just this like it's different. It looks mm-hmm. different on TV. It's I don't know how to explain it, but there's some there's something much more like elastic about the the way that they control the ball, and it's it it adds a lot. And so the, you mentioned the effect that this had on Weston, which I, I saw as well. And we saw Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams in a midfield trio that was just perfect. We talk on this show sometimes about the, uh, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I like you want to have like a diversity of threats. Like if in your center backs, you want to have a more mobile center back. You want to have a larger center back. You don't want two large center backs or two mobile center backs. And this is like, this is the, the ultimate in, in variety you have. It's, it's, it's like the, the bacon, lettuce, tomato of midfields. You've got your, your destroyery kind of six, your hard eight and this silky 10 to move the ball forward. I mean, it was just so good. What, what do you make of this? Like, is this, yeah. can we, is this real? Can I, I'm, I'm pinching myself. I mean, this has been the midfield that I've wanted to see for, you know, for a while, um, you know, and it's almost like instead of two eight, instead of two eights, like Musa is like an 8.5 and Weston <laughs> is like a 7.5 and yeah, not yeah. in terms of rating. Right. But like right. yeah, Weston yeah, yeah. can be yeah. a little bit more, you know, sort of something. I didn't think Weston had a particularly great game, uh, but I didn't think he had a bad game. I think he had a pretty kind of solid game and was able to, kind of show up where he needed to um, and, you know, kind of showed up all over the field and Musa was offering different sorts of threats. And then Tyler uh, could just bomb around cleaning up, protecting the back two, which again, Absolutely. which is important, right? Cause if we're going to play Destin Robinson, which I think we should, right. But that, that often will leave um, Adams with a lot of work to do to help cover the oh, center yeah, backs. Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's tailor-made for that job, right? So yeah, particularly yeah. if we've got other people that do work in the midfield, uh, that that puts us in a really good position. Yeah. Um, it's like Adams, Adams and two center backs is a solid defense against mm-hmm. many, many situations. I mean, you yes. can definitely you can definitely get around that. But I it, you know, obviously it's a limited Jamaica team. We don't want to go too crazy, but right. I can only really remember one moment for each center back where they looked at all. Mm-hmm. under under pressure or yeah. strained right in the in their uh coverage yeah yeah our center backs were never really tested in the way that uh michelle antonio would have right or you know leon bailey running at them you know might have in space that you know dest had vacated right leon right. bailey running into that space that's a whole different test and we didn't we didn't see that uh i thought it was interesting the the choice of walker zimmerman to go on alongside Robinson, uh, not because uh, that I don't rate Zimmerman. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't think, you know, he's not in my top four center backs. But I'm not. I wasn't like, oh, what are you, you know, what are you doing, Berhalter? Yeah, like crazy, a disaster. Yeah. But, but yeah, but more in the fact that Zimmerman had been like the replacement. 
Uh, and so if he wasn't in your six center backs that you called in. Right, right. That's weird, right? That, yeah. that he starts. But, you know, sort of thinking about it as, you know, it's the first game. You're wanting a more um, CONCACAF seasoned. Because the alternative, right, is to put Richards in probably, right? I mean, McKenzie was, you know, kind of so-so in the last window. I, I probably felt a little better with Zimmerman over McKenzie. And so it's Zimmerman versus Richards. Uh I think that this is maybe a game to put Richards in um, mm-hmm. to you know sort of get him some minutes, but uh, but Berhalter saw it saw it differently, and I don't I don't hate it. I, I just I'm curious as to his plans for Richards, right, uh, and if right, they right. if if he plans to give him much many minutes in this window. Right, and to me, the game in this window that you would use Zimmerman is the Panama game. Mm-hmm. where you're going away, tough environment, you're probably going to be under some pressure. And I feel like Zimmerman is just perfect for those situations. Mm-hmm. The guy doesn't give a fuck. He just shows up with, he shows up with a black eye for yeah. unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's, he's, he's hard. He's hard. And they, that's exactly the kind of quality that, that we are lacking a lot of the time in those games. Like yeah. I remember the, the last Panama qualifier, I think we trotted out. It was like Brooks and Reem. And they're both like, they're both really nice. They're just too nice. You know, they're not, they're not going to yeah. elbow somebody. They're not going to show up with a black eye. Walker Zimmerman's going to fuck somebody up, you know? And I, that, that's what I, I, I think we're generally missing in those kind of spots. So yeah. it, it did surprise me that he picked Zimmerman for the home game and didn't go with a, a, a more, you know, a player who could contribute more to the offense and so on. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, you know, Miles Robinson is maybe somewhere in between. Uh, yeah. I think I think our main our, our center backs most likely to, you know, throw an elbow or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, stand over someone while trying to help them up are probably Zimmerman and Miazga. Uh, oh yeah, and, Matt and, Miazga. You know, and since you know we decided not to around. call in Miazga, which was an option, uh, then you know Zimmerman is you know sort of the default hard man. So. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Maybe he's planning still on playing Zimmerman in Panama Maybe. and then Richards in the in the home game against Costa Rica, right? That's so uh, you know, we'll see. Um, but I think I think if we're in a position where Adams is sitting in front of them, then we don't have a ton to worry about. Now the question is can Adams play 90 for all three games the way he right. did and who's, i guess who's he, i guess backup right right i guess we put yeah, in a costa late in this game yeah yeah but, i guess it's a costa yeah they've been working yeah. on that like they've also had a costa at times going to right back which i think they want adams to do at times as well so mm-hmm. it seems like a costa is kind of adams understudy but um, yeah they he, he has apparently played in 18 games in a row or something for the u.s like all camps it's a costa wow. Yeah, Acosta. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I How'd like Acosta. Happen? I think he's a. I think he's a solid player. I think he's really versatile, and I think he's. Uh, you know, he's he's got he's got his degree in concacaffing, right? <laughs> you know, it, like Dude, he's, not just he's like a bachelor. He's got he's, a master. He's, he's, he's like uh, the TA of of concacaffing. Yeah. He, he's he's got some sublime concacaffing. So I I think that <laughs> I, I have no. Acosta is coming on the field. You know, I don't really have any any real concerns about that. I mean, I don't love him at right back just because I don't think that's where he's strongest. Uh, and but I think you know we have reasonable cover there, so I don't think we'll see him there in the way that we did in the first 
window when we, uh, to me, sort of inexplicably brought two right backs and then started them both in the first game, <laughs> yeah. uh, although one had left back. Uh, so hopefully Berhalter has, has learned from that in terms of like how much ammunition he has. Right, right. But yeah, I I, I'm, I'm very happy with the cost of I didn't see any weirdsies here, really. There, there wasn't anything that stood out to me as like obviously bizarre. Did you, anything? No, you? Yeah. no, I think no, nothing bizarre. You know, I think um, um, not, there were a couple of things where I were I in the starting lineup. You know, I'm always going to say Wea over um, Areola. And, and I think the, the minutes that Wea. Yeah, yeah. I think the minute I think the minutes the way it was on the field, I think it's clear that he's above Ariola. But I also don't think it's you know I also don't think it's super clear that that Burhalter has Ariola over Wea. I think that he thought for this mm. particular game, right, and maybe for the games sort of like ahead, that he wanted you know he wanted that balance. Uh, so and you know and I think Wea in the time that he was on the field, you know was put it in you know it was a glaring neon sign right saying like put me in coach like i'm i'm the most dynamic offensive player that you have in camp right now he's uh, he's a spark as aronson is playing you know yeah and and where you can play him you know uh, probably across the front line uh, anyway. and, he, and he's he's the player i mean is there a I don't know. It, it, he may be the player playing at the highest level at his club team, right? He's defending French champions. Defending that champion off, of France. Right. Knocked off PSG in a toe-to-toe battle, right? Where they had no margin for error last season and he had valuable minutes off the bench. So, uh, you know, we could talk a lot about CONCACAF and being prepared, but uh, Wea, I think, has has never been a player where we've really had any dots, even, you know, going back to like the U20 World Cups, right, back in those days. Right, and like those right. games against France. Right. I thought that Wei was the pillar of that team, you know, the one that wanted the ball, the one that was doing the things that the team needed to, to needed the most and couldn't get from someone else. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. But is he, is he a guy, like we've, we, I feel like I, feel, I have so much fear and trepidation about these hot-housed European pros who are kind of pampered and like mm-hmm. I've been in the uh the the, the line the uh you know press uh, media availability after games and they come out of the locker room and they've got their like Gucci clutch you know uh-huh. it's like the shit that like professional athletes would never have done like 30 years ago you know they're 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 like these these you know affluent uh, elite kind of people and so then you just, you, you throw them in, in, you know, San Pedro Sula, or you, you throw them in, uh, in, you know, whatever, whatever uh, venue. And, and it feels like, man, are they really going to be able to adapt to this? Are they really going to be able to, to play up to this level? And in the last, the uh, Honduras game, we saw, you know, Pulisic got injured. I, I think he definitely has the heart and the grit to fight it out. Um, we didn't see Weston. We didn't see Gio. I don't think there's any questions about Tyler. But Weya, I'm kind of on the fence. You know, he's like a literal world prince. You know, can, can he, uh, the, 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 you know, fashion forward, you know, uh, New York slash France dude go into a really tough 
uh, away match in CONCACAF and actually perform his best? Or is he going to be thrown off by the circumstances? Well, I think that I don't have any worries about Wea. Um, I think that, um, yes, he's a prince, but also there's a lot of pressure. I mean, being George Wea's son and then becoming a professional soccer player. It's fucking crazy. I mean, hopefully people know it. His father was, you know, world player of the year. Um, you know, star yeah. at AC Milan and like, and then, you know, also like having your father be president of Liberia. Uh, I mean, yes, Prince, but yes, like that's a, that's a ton of pressure, right? Is like my dad keeping the, the country functioning right now. You know, he was at PSG, but, you know, he left PSG and has had to scrap and fight at Lille. Uh, you know, he's always been in you know our our youth tournaments right and those haven't always been True. don't always go easy don't always go easy places he's had to fight his way back from really tough injuries uh and i don't i don't think i've ever felt like i've seen him shrink away from anything also let's step back for a second some crazy things happen in the french league right i mean oh my god yeah uh, totally you know, and conrad de la Fuente like, is involved as well yeah like the marseille you know marseille and um leon right people coming out of the stands onto the field and and right like like france is a france is a is a crazy league intense um it's very, and real is like leal is a working class city it's not mm. like he he left he left that gilded circumstance and he went to somewhere that is it's, it's sort of like the manchester of france you know yeah and and he was not handed you know his place right he's yeah. he's had to fight and he continues to have to fight for it uh and i you know i think him going to panama or kind of any other place I think he, he has he has wanted this and I think he's got a resolve where I'm not I'm not concerned about that. Um, I'm really not concerned about, you know, I'm really not concerned about anyone <laughs> in this team, frankly. I mean, I think it's a different sort of it's a different sort of pressure. Right. But, um, you know, playing in front of like the yellow wall at Dortmund, playing in all these other places, it's not like it's a pass. It's not like uh if they don't play well and they walk out of the stadium, they, you know, they, they get a, you know, they, they get a pat on the back if they, if the team didn't play well. Right. Like it's, mm, you know, sure, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, there's people ready to, to burn it all down. So Geo, Geo is one, Geo is probably the one I fear the most that he's just like, he's so, uh, so cocky that he can't deal with like suffering for 89 minutes to find the one minute where he's going to find the breakthrough. And, and Dest, I feel similarly. So I, I, I do have some fear about Serginho Dest going down to Panama and just kind of sucking. You know, I think there, there are some young players, you know, and we'll have to see, and they've got to, they've got to learn a few things. Um, but I think that's also because they're early on in their careers. Um, you know, Gio, um, uh, you know, Gio has had a pretty meteoric rise uh, and, you know, and he's doing really well. But, you know, he also uh, is on a team that, you know, sort of very uh, offensive and like that, those are most of his capabilities and, and haven't necessarily shown that fight. And I don't know, I don't know if we can, 
really blame that on Gio because I think that's a that's a criticism against Dortmund the last couple of years. Right. And it shouldn't necessarily be on Gio, right? I mean, Hummels and Royce and like a Kanji and you know, and and all these guys, right? That Delaney, that's who it should be coming from. And I think that's who um, Gio should be learning it from. And he, he's not really. So the fact that it may take him a little longer um, may, may count for something. But, you know, he recently against Mexico, right, got straight up hit in the head by a bottle and partially concussed, right? So if he at the next, if he at the next, game is like you know i don't care right still playing on edge then then i then i'm not worried about him i'm not worried about him right, but right, it's right. going to take some time and and dust dust as well but i think there's a lessons these guys have to learn but i also don't i also don't know if where the aspirations of this team are right i think our, our sights should be set high so totally yeah I don't know if I, I don't know if we need Sergino Dest to learn how to CONCACAF it up to get this team where we want it to be, you know, no. especially if we've got, you know, especially if we've got like just loads of depth in other places. I think we can still let Dest be Dest. And if we have a tactical setup that, you know, allows him to mm, sort of do that, sure, then, you yeah. know, if we're in like, you know, knockout phases of like the world cup right like dust can you know dust can do his barcelona thing i think also this will be an educational year for him at barcelona right barcelona is straight up struggling right now straight up i think they're gonna have there's trouble gonna be some, qualifying for champions league I'm yeah gonna, and there's gonna yeah, be yeah. there's gonna be some fights you know his coach is probably gonna get fired the dutch coach that you know probably has that probably favored did. him yeah exactly he's gonna be he's gonna learn a lot this year and uh i think that's gonna serve him in good stead you know but he's still only he's still 20 um, yeah so. yeah 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 easy to forget so so this is a perfect lead-in to talk about this panama game uh i forget what what gosh what does clayton always ask me oh who are these people who are these people I, who are tell us people? who are these people tell us about Panama. What's it usually like when we go down Panama? What are you expecting from this game? What should the USB be looking out for? So an important caveat here is like many US fans, I have uh, selectively cauterized many of my memories of the 2018 <laughs> qualifying cycle out of my brain. Um, uh, I um, I mean, I do remember uh, like Torres's volley to get Panama into the World Cup, which is a pretty glorious moment, right? Uh, but uh, you know, Panama, I think, generally has been, uh, in many ways, I think, a typical for us kind of Concacaf team and battle, right? It's been a difficult place for us to play. It's been a very intense. Um, uh, away experience uh, a very hostile crowd um you know one only needs to crack the first chapter of u.s geopolitical actions <laughs> in the 20th century in central america to figure out why um yep but um you know it, they they are usually a very solid uh defensive team with 
quality players and they will take their chance if they can, if they can get it. Um, and, you know, we should probably expect a pretty physical game. Um, and, you know, Panama, uh, I mean, Panama took apart this Jamaica team, you know, they beat Jamaica three, nothing at, at home. Two right? nothing. At, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah, I think at yeah. Jamaica. So, uh, so this is definitely not a team that we should sleep on. Uh, and, you know, it'll be curious what sort of lineup we, we put in, you know, what the conditions of the field are, you know, we're a little, you know, in some ways we have more depth and in some ways we're a little lighter uh, in terms of our, um, in terms of our roster than uh, we would otherwise like to be. Right. Um, so what do you think, what do you think uh, the most important thing is for the U.S. to get right in order to succeed in this game? I think that we need to, I think we need to build on this performance in terms of our style of play. I think that we need to have patience, but also directness in our attack. Um, you know, not necessarily long balls, but I think that um, we're not yet passing the ball around quickly enough to sort of unbalance them with the ball. But I think that what we probably have, we'll still have sort of accounts of superiority. Uh, I think we have to be patient. I think we can't get rattled. Um, if we don't get the calls, if we, you know, if we, if we have hard fouls. Uh, and I think uh, we have to be willing, willing to win in a variety of ways. I think that we can do it. I don't think we necessarily have to do anything special but I think we have to be on it from moment one. Um, and, you know, what we can't do, I think, is what we did in the first half against Honduras, because in general, in soccer, I don't think there are many times where you can recover from a bad first half. Uh, and I especially don't think we can do that against a Panama team that is likely stronger than this Honduras team um, and is not, you know, it's not the third game of the cycle, it's the second game, they should still be uh, in, in a good, uh, in a good position. And they're yeah, wanting to qualify, you know? They, yeah, dude. Yeah. They're, they're, they're flying high. They had a great uh, first, uh, first camp. I, I didn't see their result yesterday. Oh, let me look that up real quick. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I forgot to check. Oh, El Salvador well. beat them yesterday. Okay. So they're gonna be. All they're right. gonna be pissed. <laughs> yes, they're gonna want points. It's very, very interesting. You know, day of qualifying, right? So U.S. You know, U.S. beats Jamaica, but Canada ties Mexico. I didn't see the game, but uh, apparently Huge Canada shot. was all over Mexico the first half in Azteca, and probably is feeling a little aggrieved that they didn't walk out with a win from, you know, from the reports I was seeing. Um, so you know, there's a there's a lot there's a lot in the mix. The U.S. can put ourselves in a really strong position. Yeah, with, with good performance the rest yeah. of this window. Yeah, this is the opportunity. But I, so I just wanted to go real quick back to that Honduras game. So, what, in your opinion, was the difference between that first half and the second half? Why did the U.S. come out so flat, so it's you know lacking lacking so much energy and and had such a such a bad time in the first half? And and what did they do to turn it around? Um, so what do we have well, to do? In other words, what do we have to do in the first half that's going to be different in this Panama game? Right. So, well, um, we started Honduras right in the back three, right? Um, and yeah, it was like that you know, weird. It was like right, and we like didn't a start seven our... three or something. It was like some weird. 
situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we started, you know, we started George Bellow on, on the left and, um, and I think that, you know, we, we didn't, you know, Weston wasn't there. I think there was a lot of things that were kind of unbalanced and we, we tried to, we tried to do too many new things. And then in the second half, um, one, I think Honduras got tired too. Uh, and Burhalter himself sort of said that this was a major factor that Honduras changed their formation uh, significantly that, that gave us more space and made it much easier for us to attack them. It kind of opened up a little bit as, as opposed to being in that, in that little block. Uh, but then also, you know, we put some of our best players on the field, right? I think Robinson at left back uh, is just uh, a step up from Bello, you know, and, um, and, you know, once we started playing more directly against this sort of tiring Honduras team, our talent went out. So I, I don't think it was this great tactical masterclass or adjustment. It was sort of going back to this is probably what we should have been doing right in the in the first yeah. place. You know? Yeah, it was like an um, un unmistake or yeah. something. It was, you know, like the adjustment was to just unscrew up the team. Yeah, from, from the first half decision. Yeah, and I think that in some of the criticism, I you know I, I recall seeing that 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 first window towards like Brooks and Dest um, was in the language of you know do they want to play you know do they mm. want enough do they want to play for the U.S. which uh, do they have the passion which I I take issue with um, I think these are players who have demonstrated. Uh, for years. I mean, how long has John Brooks been playing for the U.S., right? I mean, he scored for us in, the, in a World Cup, right? It's very easy for these players, if they didn't want to be there, for not for them not to be there, right? To, you know, have a little dodgy hamstring or, you know, sort of like a back yeah. or, or a family issue, right? And not, and not come, right, in a way that is, you know, it's not going to ruffle feathers, but it's sort of, is sort of understood. Um, and I think there is sometimes this, you know, this sort of desire in the fan to say like, well, if you're not running hard, if you're not sprinting all the time, that you're not, you know, that you don't have passion. And, you know, I think sometimes the case, but often if a player is confused about what they should be doing, what happens sure. is in action, right? Because, if you don't know where to go, right, it's worse to sprint in the <laughs> further in the wrong direction. In the wrong direction, right? You know, you, you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to take off now, right? If you're, yeah. if you're, you know, if you sprint towards where you, you know, maybe should be or you think you should be, and actually, actually, that's not the right position, and now you have two players and you've opened up this huge hole, then you're you're sort of worse off. And I think that is part of what I was interpreting. And, and maybe this is over generous, but I was seeing that with Brooks and with Dest. At times, like, okay, maybe that, you know, they should have gotten the horse, but other times, right, Brooks is sort of stepping up in the middle and then it's breaking down. And he's turning around and he's like, wait, what? Who's, you know, and then and then is sort of yep. trying to go. And then it's like not entirely sure where to go. Right. Uh, and I think that's a large part of what we were seeing. And if we play players in their natural position and it's, it's more simple and it's more direct, then I see, I think we see them 
play more where they need to. And then also we think we say, you know, all right, well, we've got Tyler sitting there and, you know, it's a little bit more obvious, right? Um, we don't necessarily have, you know, there are center backs stepping in quite the same way. Not right, that they right, can right. never step, but never in quite the same way. So that's what right. I saw. So we, oh my God, I can't wait. I wish the game was right yeah. now. Game is Sunday night. It is at, I believe, six o'clock Eastern. We are not going to be able to join you live during that game as we have been usually. We, we will for the next game, the Costa Rica game. Uh, but we will be recording live on Monday at some point time to be announced uh, to review the Panama game. And I cannot wait to see how the U.S. Uh, shows up in this. So I want to end us, as we often do, with some, some hopes and fears. So you just, you just gave us some, some great insight on, on what the U.S. team needs to do. But what do you think? What, what's, what's your biggest hope? What do you really want to see? Uh, or fear, you know, give me, give me whatever you got. Um, I think that my hopes are that we see, we start to see real connections forged on this team, right? I mean, brotherhood, my, I, I am more critical of Burhalter than I think you and, and Clayton. Are. I'm more, but but he has built a really good spirit in this team. Um, but I am I am firm in my belief that in five years, when the U.S. is hosting the World Cup, our aspiration should be semifinals, right? With this, with hosting, with Fuck this yeah. quality, yes, semifinals quality. of the World Cup. And so I want to see a start to build things that in five years in the semifinal at the Rose Bowl or yes. wherever, right? Yes. That, you know, that Yudas Musa <laughs> oh is slipping through Timothy Weah, right? And it started on a pitch in Panama. So that's, oh. that's my hopes, right? Oh, uh, still my heart. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and, you know, I don't have a lot of fears except I guess I would say, um, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of fears except for, um, you know, if we, if we shake things up again and the players start to have doubts uh, and, and find themselves second guessing instead of playing, right? They're, yeah, they're yeah, having yeah. a lot of fun. I want them to continue to have a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that that would definitely be my fear too. And my, my hope is that the U.S., takes it to Panama and out CONCACAF's Panama. I want to see, I want to see yellows flying around. Yeah. I mean, well, I was thinking, when was the last time a U.S. player got sent off? Like, I can think of like a Jermaine Jones sending off, you know, in the yeah. Copa America five years ago. And I, I really can't think of a red since then. And it's just not really part of our culture to like go at players. But I kind of want us to do that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we don't have many players, right? So again, you know, you know, maybe like Walker Zimmerman, right? I don't think he's going to get sent off, but, you know, I, it's, it's fine. I think we have players playing on the edge. And I think the players that can do that, you know, are probably Adams a bit, um, you know, definitely Acosta, um, you know, definitely Zimmerman, uh, 
I don't think Yedlin does it with sophistication, but he can do it. <laughs> he kind of uh, like accidentally you know, gets reds. You like, know? yeah, like, you know, but I, I, you're right. I think we do have a lot of good. like nice players. <laughs> and, and I think we do have to be ready, um, you know, for, for CONCACAF playing CONCACAF refereeing. And I know we're, we're trying to wrap this up, but I actually did briefly want to go back for a second and talk do for it. a second about the, the yellow cards, right? The, the yellow cards that I think a oh, lot yeah, of, yeah, yeah. A lot of US soccer media has been were, saying yeah, that were yeah. red cards. Uh, and I personally, I, I didn't have an issue with, with those being yellow cards and not, and not red cards. Um, and I'll briefly say why. So for the, for the first one, right? So it, it's, cl- it's a clear yellow, it's, you know, um, but I think to give a player a red card in the first minute of the game, not for like a two footed tackle, but for denial of a goal scoring opportunity, you have to be a hundred percent sure that that's what it was. And, and there's a lot of things that factor into that, including, you know, distance to goal, right. Sort of like angle on the field. Quality and I think the player, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can take that into account, right? But, uh, you know, we have jokes about that, you know. But you know, you know, it's it's, it's you know, it's, it's not it's not denial of a clear goal. It's denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity, and you know, and Ariel would have had a clear opportunity. But you know, I don't think you can guarantee that from like you know forty yards out that Ariel Orella doesn't get run down or if he has like sort of pressure on him. And I saw a lot of criticism that like the referee, you know, took too long. Um, you know, to like sort of decide or sort of show a card, but this was a game without VAR, right? This is a massive call. He blows the foul and then he goes to his assistant referee who also had a very clear view and says, what do you see? And then he produces the, the color card that he thinks he can produce. And unless he goes over to the, 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 to the assistant referee and they're both like, yes, a hundred percent red card. He's got to go. We've got no choice that I don't think you can do that, particularly because this is CONCACAF, right? And there are different, um, there are different, not standards of refereeing, but there's there are different sort of rules and sort of playing, you know, sort of like playing style and standard. And norms. games are, are, there are different <laughs> norms, yes, thank you. And so I think that was very, that was very much akin to the, aligned with the norms of CONCACAF refereeing. And I think the one on Aronson, I think that that was, uh, I think that also was within the norms. I think that he got the ball. I didn't think it was a particular, he got him a bit on the follow through, but it wasn't a particularly like scissory, you know, sort of deadly trailing leg. You know, Aronson kind of jumped out of the way a little bit of it. This is my view of it anyways. You, you seem to maybe have a, a slightly different view. <laughs> no, but I think I'm, he got enough finished. of the, I think he got enough of the ball and he was clearly attempting to play the ball that uh, that for me, I think it was, you know, I think it was not a foul. And then, you know, the, what people were saying is that, okay, you know, if you're going to call a foul there, then according to the, to the, to the, you know, letter of the law, right. Then you do have to give a red card there, right. If it's a, and I read the rules and like, you know, yes, but I also think that if the referee, um, you know, realizes and sort of thinks better of it, then I would rather have him make the right decision for the game 
than the right decision by like the by the rule that by the letter of the law because I think that that's a little stringent. That that because I also don't I don't think it, I think that would have been unfair because I actually don't think it was a foul. Um, I think that he that he got enough of the ball. All right, people. So you heard it from Kwame. This is an so, area of life where I I personally struggle because for me I'm like. Dude, if it's a foul, if it's a if it would be a red in the 80th minute, why is it not a red in the first minute? And many people make sort of a more holistic argument about yeah. how these things should be judged. They should be judged based on the effect that the decision might have, rather than simply based on the act. And I, I struggle with that personally. And I know yes. a lot of people out there do as well, especially when it goes against your team. So yeah. hit us up, hit us up yeah. on Twitter. Tell us what you thought of the fouls. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, I, I love the debate, but I, I yeah. do agree, by the way, I, I really like your point about the, the timing. I don't mind the referee taking a minute to think about it and figure out he plays stopped. You know, it takes less time than VAR yeah. for him to like, talk to someone and come back and make a decision. Like, I don't right. get the problem with that. Yeah, he has, to, I, I think he yeah. has to do it before before producing the card. If if he had VAR, right, that would be, you know, maybe he handles it differently. I think it would be appropriate to potentially have it differently <clears throat> if he had VAR. But I think that, uh, and, you know, perhaps I'm a little bit more holistic, you know, than, than you. But I, I think it's not so much like it if it's, it's not so much that it has to be if it's a red card, a red card is different in the first minute than in the 80th minute, but it's, if you are going to, if you're going to say it's a red card in that time, you have to be a hundred percent sure. Yeah. The, the, right? It's a gradient. It's, right. It's it, yeah, it's a higher gradient. standard. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Where you can be like, okay, you know, I'm 90% sure like in the 80th, fifth minute or something sure, like sure, that. Sure. But, there, but there's sort of no coming back you know there's no more consequential there's nothing more consequential to an outcome of the game than a red card in the first minute of the game i think i mean i'm not a i'm I mean, not an yeah, analytics it's a, it's person but i think so. it's a game yeah. ender yeah 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 absolutely all right people well it has been an absolute honor to to host this show to be here with with my dear friend kwame and to talk nats with you all just as pleasurable as watching the Nats get three delicious points in World Cup qualifying. And we cannot wait to join you again Monday, time TBD, for another exciting live stream podcast. And in closing, you know, I have to do the, the, the thing where I love things. And I, I'm, I'm just going to talk about some, some items that I have around here. So I love I love dark chocolate. I don't really like any other desserts, but I love dark chocolate. And I love seltzer. Seltzer is like a healthy version of soda, but I don't like any of that shit as much as I love the Nats. Let's go, boys. Come on. Nine point uh, window. Nine point window on the Panama. <laughs>